Welcome to the Convergence Conversations podcast. Join us as we discuss topics that impact you and the body of Christ through candid, open conversation. Let's encounter Jesus together. All right, welcome back to Convergence Conversations podcast. Uh, my name is Andrew Fish, and I am joined by Seth Church and Justin Collins. Howdy. Yes. How are Hello. you guys doing? Mm, muy bien. Wonderful. I'm just coming Good. down, down uh, coming off an amazing Sunday message from Wesley. That was incredible. Oh, um, he's in the room, but we're going to pretend he's not in the room for this session. Um, he's made a bet that he won't speak. So what are we talking about today, Andrew? So today's topic, we're going to be talking about worship. And I love this topic, and I think it's amazing that we have we have our our like two of our worship leaders, Justin Collins, Justin and Paige Collins, are our worship pastors here at Convergence. But Seth does a lot of worship here. You you lead worship often on Sundays, but also have been really anchoring our house of prayer. So I think this is going to be a really good conversation. And so I'd love to just kick it off and just go ahead and throw this question out to you guys. Um, obviously. Obviously, worship is a big, it's a big thing. It's a, it's a big, big word. Um, I would love to just, let's narrow it in just a little bit. So what, what, would, what would you guys kind of define worship as? And obviously, we're talking about it in the context of worshiping Jesus. So what would you guys say to that? Mm. Yeah, I mean, you can... Obviously, there's a there's a linguistic thing, which is worship is adoration. It's it's uh, it's it's putting something above yourself and saying that it's worth more. Um, but in the context of of the Christian church and and how we worship, um, I think a lot of times we can get caught up on. And this is exactly the reason why you asked this question, which is it's so easy to get caught up on worship as a thing rather than worship as a lifestyle. And I think we touched on this um, last time on the last podcast when we were talking about presence or no encounter. I'm talking about encounter. And it's the same thing. It's like we can come and we can encounter Jesus on a Sunday and then we can go home and do our lives and go to work and whatever and then come back next Sunday for another encounter. Or we can live it in life. We can live a life of encounter. And so um, when it comes to worship, it's like we get to choose is worship about music or is worship about daily encounters and putting something above ourselves. Um, I really think worship... It definitely is a heart posture, yeah. Um, and and it is. I think in in every case, it's it's ministry to the Lord, um, whether it's dance or doing the dishes or music. Um, and I think in worship, we we communicate to the Lord through through worship in the church on a Sunday morning. Um, and, and we're growing in other areas at Convergence of what does that look like? How does worship manifest itself um, on a Sunday morning or um, just in whatever church service? So blessing the Lord, ministering to Him, um, showing care and consideration for Him. I think it's just like how you would uh, worship or bring um, adoration, like you were saying, Justin, to anyone else. Like... How would you how would you congratulate someone on doing the best job in the world ever, you know? And that's what Jesus did. And so it's like, okay, Jesus, you 
you won everything, and so we're going to give you the praise for winning everything. Mm, that's good. I, I love the way you talk about that, too, because there's a, you know, there's a relational aspect, obviously. Like, you know, we don't just have to worship a far-off God, you know? We get to have, like, a relationship with the one we worship. Um, but I, I love what you said about the celebration thing, because, like, we are congratulating Him, right? You know, I have kind of my notes from on some things from worship, and, and there's a why on, like, why do we worship? And I didn't have anything other to say except for He's the Savior of the world. <laughs> like, He won it, right? Like, He went and He took back the keys um, of death, hell, and the grave. And that's nothing that any of us could have done. So it's like standing to the side and being like, hey, you know, what, what would it look like, you know? What, what, what would it look like if we were fully free and we fully understood what that meant? Like, would we worship like, hey, thanks, that was really cool. Like, that was a cool thing you just did there. I'm going to take a couple minutes and just say like, hey, you know, really, thank you for that. Or would it be like an insanely, like something we can't even fathom because our, it's worth more than we could ever give with our whole lives? And I think that's where the conflict comes down to with worship is, the one we're worshiping is worthy of more praise than we could ever bring in a lifetime, you know? Yeah. And so to me, the only remedy for that is like full surrender every time we step into that place of worship. And now we're talking about worship less of like a daily lifestyle and more of like when we're stepping into corporate worship. But, mm-hmm. you know, we talk to our team, our, and I think our house of prayer team too, as well as our worship team about like, you know, we make plans and we make agendas and stuff, but the morning when we step into worship on a Sunday morning, the thing at the center of our focus is Jesus. And the only way we get there is surrender. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think Definitely. that's, that's, that's really good guys. Um, I think, I think worship, you know, again, it's one of those things where, um, like Kings, you know, I think of Kings, a lot of times, you know, like you have subjects, you know, we, we watch these movies and it's subjects bowing down to a king mm-hmm. in order to worship him. Yeah. And actually the word worship in the Bible actually means to bow down and to kiss the feet. Hmm. So there's wow. this reverence thing with worship. Your true worship is you bowing and exalting something. Mm. And so we can do that in the natural. We can worship things in the natural, or we can worship the one true God who mm. is holy, who is worthy, who died on the cross and rose again, who's conquered death, sin. Like we can worship the one in whom is holy and worthy of our worship, or we can worship things that aren't worthy of our worship. And so I think that. Even that definition, that place in worship is super critical because we can even be in worship and not really be worshiping. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that the Lord's really popped in in my heart before. Like, you know, sometimes we'll be even in a corporate church environment and we'll be singing words on a screen and our heart's not really worshiping. Mm-hmm. And so true worship is that place of I have to humble myself and exalt the Lord. I have to humble myself and lift him up. Mm-hmm. If I'm not lifting him up above myself, I'm not really worshiping him. Or mm-hmm. circumstances. Um, or circumstances, situations, things that, that we're dealing with or, or struggling with. And so 
I think I think that, that that's an important part of what worship is because you can only worship like you can't worship multiple things. I mm-hmm. can't just give my worship to multiple things. My true worship belongs somewhere. And mm-hmm. as believers, that belongs to Jesus. Yeah. Totally. It belongs to him and him alone. Mm. Well, I like what you said about um you know, humbling yourself and exalting the Lord, um, that is, there's, there, what was I going to say with this? I was going to say about worship leaders. I got to get my thoughts together. So with with that comes like, this is almost like a word to worship leaders, you know, um, the best way to like figure that out, like if you're there, if you're there at the point where you're fully humble and you're fully surrendered is like how many train wrecks have you had like on the stage where it looks like completely your fault and like everything falls apart and then how do you recover from that you know that was that was my thoughts you know you said that and I went back to all these times where we'd be like on the stage in you know every church in every area and wherever we were at like trying to do this this song or this part of the song that we had like practiced so perfectly and like we go over it like 15 times during practice and like, okay, we got it to the T and we're going to stop here and we're going to break here and then we're going to build and then we're going to break it open. It's like this coolest thing and lead guitar is like really killing it on, you know, whatever they're playing. And then we get to the moment and it's just like complete, like it just completely falls apart. And then where do we go from there? You know, we don't hit the sound effect button. Um, uh, like where do we go from there? You know, that's really telling because if where we go from there as leaders is to retreat into our shell for a couple songs, like, Ooh, I don't want to open my eyes. I'm just going to close my eyes and just sing into the microphone and just be, I'm going to be obedient to what the Lord's called me to do. Right. But like, if we really see worship the way that the Lord sees it, like, He's not worried about our train wrecks and he's not worried about like our wrong notes and stuff. Like he's worried about the posture of our heart. And when we come into that worship atmosphere, yeah, we're worshiping corporately. Yeah. And it's a responsibility that we have to come and bring into something where we can come, where the congregation can come with us. But at the end of the day, we're there to minister to the heart of the Lord. And like I said earlier, like we can have a relationship with the Lord. We're not ministering to a far off God. And the Lord will tell us like, this is how I want to be worshipped, right? It's what he did in the Old Testament. And he has very pretty distinct guidelines for us today. Like, this is what I want you to do. And uh, and so, especially in our prophetic culture, it really takes the pressure off of worship leaders, where we can just kind of go up and we can just be like, hey, like, Lord, what do you want to see today? And a lot of times, if we're fully surrendered and we're humble, he'll show us, and we just have to be willing to be obedient and go there. And I think it takes intentionality of asking him, like, hey, how do you want to be worshipped today? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it really is such a relational thing. Worship is such a relational thing where you can't um, you can't just go in blind or say, this is what I think would be best, because you're serving someone else, mm-hmm. you're caring for someone else. And so um, we, we, pr- we walk into a... a a house of prayer set or a Sunday morning saying, Jesus, how do you want to be worshiped? Um, what's the focus? Are we focusing on your son? Are we focusing on, um, how much, how great your love is, you know? Um, and I think that's what's so special about worship is it's so personal Mm -hmm. and, and you get to, 
be in this place. I think that's why David was a man after his own heart. Um, God's own heart is like, you're in this place of intimacy where he's sharing what he desires and you are essentially fulfilling those desires Mm -hmm. of God. Like he's like, I would love for you to, to sing about how worthy I am or how holy I am. And you Mm -hmm. actually get to like meet that, you know? Yeah. And it, and it's breadcrumbs, Mm -hmm. but, but, Jesus sees it as everything. Yeah. You know, that's why that's why he was on the cross because of the joy set before him. And your your worship is the joy set before him. Yeah. Well, and and I love it because like being married, I've been married almost ten years. And when you talk about having an intimate relationship with the Lord, like, um, you know, nothing brings joy to my heart like doing something that I know is gonna bless my spouse, right? Nothing and nothing brings joy to my heart like watching someone else bless my spouse either, you know, mm-hmm. bless the one that I love. And it, it goes to a different place even too when you have kids, but mm-hmm. but like like we're doing that with the Lord on Sundays. Like through our relationship with him, we learn like what does he love, you know, what really ministers to the heart of the Lord. And then we can pull those things out, you know. And sometimes I think we in our prophetic culture, sometimes we're like, Oh, we have to listen and find the exact word for exactly what the Lord wants today. But sometimes I kind of feel like, well, we also have history. We have time spent with the Lord where we can just know, oh, the Lord, and this even sounds weird to say, but like, <laughs> like we know what the Lord likes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, it's, I've spent enough years worshiping, you know, worshiping Him and, and in relationship with Him and in the secret place and in those deep places with the Lord that I know He loves it when I this, you know? When, when we sing this way or when we do this thing. And, and I just, I love that. Yeah, that's so good, guys. Um, and kind of just to, to even go along the lines, Justin, you were, you were kind of talking about even from the standpoint of being a worship leader. Mm-hmm. So I think I'd love to just pose this question to both of you guys. As worship leaders, what is one thing that you would say to other worship leaders? Um, maybe that's, uh, something you've learned over the years. Maybe it's, um, I don't know. What's, what's, what's one piece of advice? Like, let's just say someone's starting out, they're a worship leader They're Maybe they're starting out at a church or whatever that is. What, what's kind of the one piece of advice you would give? Mm. I think, I think it applies to more than just worship because this is what Wesley said to me for about teaching and, and speaking, um, and I might get this wrong, but um, of letting it be an overflow um, and letting it leading out of experience rather than um, out of habit or out of um, you're just, you're normal um, or oh, I'm just doing another Sunday, but it's like if the Lord hasn't encountered and, and there's freedom and there's, there's not, this is not a law, but how I'm thinking is like, I'm like, I, I don't want to lead if I'm not leading out of a place of intimacy with the Lord, because really where am I leading people into? If I'm, if I'm in a place where I haven't taken the time to be like, Lord, I I feel like I'm not with you right now. And my faith is weak. Um, I don't really want to lead for two hours in a weak place. And the, and the good news is that you can strengthen your faith in one minute because you say, Hmm. 
that's not who I am. I, I'm full of faith because Jesus died for me, mm-hmm. and I can walk in intimacy right now because he's in me. Um, and so... Can I add a little bit to what you said? Yeah, and some so of that, maybe. <laughs> so you were talking about, um, you know, coming in in a weak place. Um, and I think that, and this is not to, this is not to say you, you were like, you know, not true and correct in what you were saying, because obviously that is a concern for worship leaders. But a lot of times what I think is, uh, is imperative when we come to the stage, you know, when we come to a corporate setting, whether that's 10 people or whether that's you know, a thousand people or a thousand people plus, is that we do come in a weak state, right? Yeah. Even when we feel built up and strong and we're coming in, like we don't have to, you know, beat ourselves down. It's not what I'm saying, but we come in in a place and in this heart posture of, Lord, I have no control over whether people encounter you today. Yeah. You know, because I feel like we, a lot of times, especially worship leaders, um, and really any leaders for that matter can get this way about you know their ministry, but worship leaders especially, we feel like we have to have so much control, right? Totally. Over our, the atmosphere and what happens and what it sounds like, smells like, looks like, all this. And like obviously there's, you know, that's a good thing, right? For those things to be good. We don't want ugly, ugly, stinky church, right? <laughs> yeah. But we but so much of that puts us in the strong place, and I feel like the Lord is like, just come in your weak place. Mm-hmm. I can say that the most, well, for one, the most, the number one most, and probably my top five, top ten most um, insane worship experiences as a leader, not just sitting in a congregation, but like leading the worship and watching the Lord show up in a crazy way and Him like just whacking me, was when I came in my weakest place. Mm-hmm. And one one of those times was, uh, you know, you know, it's, uh, well, more than once coming from tragedy, you know, coming from a tragedy and having to come and lead worship like a day or two later and getting up on the stage. And I remember one of those times I told I told Steve, I told Pastor Steve Fish, I was like, I was like, Steve, I feel like I'm supposed to come. I said, I don't know what it looks like. I can tell you right now it's going to be really, really, really raw. But, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really know what the Lord's going to do. Like, you might have to catch me when I just, you know, screw everything up. And he was like, come, come do it. He's like, get it. And it was one of the craziest, most insane God encounters in my life. And then I had another one where it was a crazy tragedy. And I, I told Pastor Steve, I was like, hey, listen, this was shortly after the last one. I was like, hey, listen, this one's different. I'm really upset at the Lord. I'm angry, right? And a lot of, a lot of leaders probably would have been like, yeah, you should sit down this Sunday. <laughs> You shouldn't go up there and and uh, and you know you, you should just you should just receive today, but like you know Steve encouraged me. He's like, yeah, well you know get up there and do it. You know we trust the Lord and we trust you. And again, it was one of the most incredible God encounters of my life. I came from a broken, weak place and a very intimate place with the Lord, and then I came from an angry, weak place where I was upset with the Lord. And both times He met me there, and. That was as a leader, and then the you know the response from the congregation. To answer your question, though, now that I've doubled down on Seth's question, because Seth kind of stole mine. Mine was all about uh, mine was mine was all about what he talked about. But I was going to say uh, to worship leaders coming up, you know, I think the best piece of advice I can give is worship with your eyes open, and that's obviously like a you know people will tell you that 
when you're coming up, like make sure you're connecting with the congregation and you're looking people in the face and not just keeping your eyes closed the whole time. That's probably a good thing to do. I don't really do it that much. But what I mean by that is like, as you're worshiping, as you're encountering the Lord, as we're walking through a corporate service, make sure that you're worshiping with your eyes open, your physical eyes and your spiritual eyes to see what's going on, right? Because we can get so caught up in a moment, pressing after one thing and just, just drive into that thing musically. And then we just stop and it's like, oh no, we missed a turn somewhere. <laughs> we missed a turn. This was a really incredible moment. But we could have had a really, really incredible whole morning if we had just worshipped with our eyes open and watched where the Lord was going, right? And so that's, that's my piece of advice is worship with your eyes open and make sure that we don't lose sight about why we're doing what we're doing. That's good. And I think I should clarify, by week, I mean staying in a place of unbelief, mm. like, um, which I totally, I agree with what you were saying, Justin. Like, um, I've had it where I've, I've, had whole worship sessions where I'm, I'm just like believing that God is this way or mm. that I am this way. And, and it, there's no fruit in it. Um, and so I think what's beautiful about you is, is you worship like how David worships. He worships through things. Mm. And I really do think that is worship is such a key, especially musical worship. Um, to processing hard things, um, you're able to actually worship through it. Even when you start in a place of unbelief and you prophesy and you say, this is who you are, or this is who I am because of what you've done, um, but not staying there. So clarification. Mm. What I got out of that is you think I'm beautiful. That is true. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. That is true. <laughs> I was actually thinking of that this morning. That's actually That's really so funny. Good. Well, man, I wish we had more time to talk about this. I know we got to kind of wrap it up. Yeah, there. yeah. Is there anything I, you want to wrap up with? I do want to say something. Yes, I do. I, and, and I want to speak from the standpoint of having watched both Justin and Seth. Um, one of the things I love to do is to wor- watch worship leaders off stage. I think there's a huge... There's something powerful as a worship leader when you are not just a worship leader on stage, but you are a worshiper. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the, the distinguishing factor there is that your heart posture is worship, whether you're leading people, playing an instrument on a stage or not. And some of my favorite moments has been observing you guys off stage, mm. like you're not leading worship. Someone else is on stage leading the congregation and you're just pressing in your, your heart is worshiping. You're a worshiper before you're a worship leader. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just one piece of advice as a pastor that I would give what, what ministers to my heart is watching worship leaders that are first worshipers. Mm-hmm. And in our culture, there can be a big distinguishing factor because, you know, there can, there's worship movements and there's worship, there's worship that's all about people engaging with something. Mm-hmm. And while that's not wrong, if that is exalted above just being a worshiper first, then we're losing the main thing. And so I just think... For me, my best advice that I would give to a worship pastor that's coming up is, man, be a worshiper first. 
Be a worshiper off stage. Be mm-hmm. a worshiper in the secret place with the Lord. Be a worshiper in your car. Be a worshiper with your family. Be a worshiper at your, you know, whatever else you have going on in your life. Be a worshiper. And then when you hit that stage, it's what Seth was talking about. It's the overflow. But why? Because you're a worshiper. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're, your first job is not leading people. It's being a worshiper. Yeah. And I think that's something that I've observed in you guys that I think is really beautiful that I would just say as an encouragement to a worship leader, um, be first a worshiper and then a worship leader is actually not your primary thing. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. worshiper first. That's yeah. so good. That's good. Um, Wesley, you did it. You made it through this whole section and you didn't say a word. So would you like to change that? Nope. No, okay. No, He's good. Not. Awesome. All right, well, this has been a great conversation here on Converse, Convergence Conversations podcast. We'll catch you next time.